Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. We have a spectacular topic tonight, owning ADHD, a lived experience with uh, Susan McGinnis. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying Uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, Chan, can you introduce our guest? Jeff, our guest today is ADHD life coach Susan McGinnis. Susan supports adults to manage their executive function and make choices that support the quality of life they want in the workplace and at home. She's trained in ADHD coaching, and this was after her own late-in-life diagnosis. She learned about the neurological basis of ADHD and the benefits of the cognitive approach of coaching for the experience of life with ADHD. For more information, visit her website at ADHDimpactcoaching.com. Susan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Everybody, this is a huge thrill because we've had some shows that we've done in the past that we're really, really proud of. Um, Because a lot of times we talk about concepts and professionals come in and talk about concepts and stuff like that. But we really like lived experiences. Like one of my favorites was um, years ago we did an interview with an anonymous student who was in college and got caught selling their Adderall. And it was kind of funny because it was an anonymous thing, but they talked about how one morning they got woken up in the dorm and they go downstairs and there's 15 DEA, FBI um, and stuff. And, and the, the experience was told from the kid going through this. Often we have professionals talking about it, but that lived experience is just so really incredible. And one of the things about ADD is there's a lot of intangibles. To me, an intangible, like we make observations with our senses. 
and aided by some type of technology that converts it to our senses. And when it comes to executive functioning, um, we, we, we can't see um, our executive functions. We can't touch it. We can't smell it. But when we're in an experience, sometimes we can experience it. And today, our focus really is on the concept of people can know a lot about ADHD, but the trick is really owning it. And it's a concept that people, we hear, they think they kind of get it. And today, Susan, I really want to kind of talk to you because um, as an individual and coach, uh, you've actually experienced um, this transition. I want to kind of talk about it. So at, just tell us a little bit about kind of your anxieties and your experiences and, and, and struggles with ADHD in the past. Then we want to kind of transition to a recent experience and kind of what that was all about. So kind of tell us where it all started with you with your ADD. Oh, well, um, I wasn't diagnosed until I was over 50 years old, but um, my ADHD obviously was lifelong and um, caused all of the, uh, the usual problems. But one thing that really came out to me that I learned over time was I had an assumption that everyone else was like me. They were just managing this experience better than I was. And when I finally, and I, I'm not sure when that hit, I definitely over about 35, uh, when it finally hit that other people were simply having a different experience, that's when I began to allow more learning to come in and more things to shift. So before you were trying to just, you just thought other people managed it. I guess you were trying to manage it as best you could as like you thought everybody else was? Yeah, I felt I was having difficulties, and everyone else seemed to have it easier than I did. You know, everything from household, children, when those came along, the workplace, simply that internal experience that you have when you have ADHD, you're having a lot of thoughts and emotions that are coming up that you're managing in addition to the things that you need to get Mm -hmm. done. It's a lot of work. You know, it's just a lot of work. I'm guessing that's also, it's a lot of work, but the byproduct that is a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. Oh, hypervigilance is a word. When I heard about that word, I was like, oh, that's it. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things we hear a lot uh, in the ADD world is like the imposter syndrome. Like, I feel like I'm kind of acting. And I'm kind of wondering how that relates to this, because back then when you thought everybody was just managing it and you were just kind of struggling um, to kind of put up this front, did, did any of that leak into that a little bit, or is that was a foreign concept to you? Yeah, I think that there was a lot of sense of um, I didn't have a lot of I didn't have a lot of emotion around it, but I do think I had the feeling that I was acting in a certain way, that I was mm-hmm. um, kind of trying to pretend to be like other people and not let things show. You know, that, that comes in pretty early in life is if you're panicked by things going that you have to do, try not to let it show. Try not to tell other people about your experience because you won't get very positive stuff back. So how did you cope with that anxiety and emotions back some time ago? When back you then? Were just trying, yeah. Um, well, I became a very early student of, of, you know, self-help and personal development. So I read lots of books. I tried working with myself. Um, I did a lot. I tried therapy, 
wasn't helpful. They didn't know what to make of me. You know, they said, there's nothing clinically wrong with you. We don't really know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you seem fine. What if you seem fine? You're functioning. Uh, you're laughing as you tell me how miserable you are. And um, so it didn't make sense from a therapeutic standpoint. And it never occurred to them. It was never brought up that maybe I had ADHD. And I actually wouldn't have been surprised to have been diagnosed, but there was no understanding of what that would mean, really, mm-hmm. especially as an adult at that time, because I'm, I'm pretty well on at this point. So what I'm hearing is you were, you were assuming everybody else was managing it, and apparently you were doing a pretty good job because it wasn't picked up. But I'm also hearing you, you checked out the self-help books. You were trying. You were going to therapy, oh, but it didn't really, sound like, didn't really sound like that had much of an impact. Well, what helped me was um, the kind of learning to manage yourself. Uh, the kind of um, books, the I'm okay, you're okay, some of the old stuff from the 70s around that self-actualization is really taking responsibility for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that resonated a lot with me. That, you know, that, and I, I just sort of got that thing about all you can really tro- control is your response to what happens to you. And so it became a kind of early mindfulness. And then as time went on, I did find mindfulness and did that fairly intensively, um, you know, had a, had a practice going of meditation for a while that was, you know, quite helpful and helped me have that more awareness that I could, could when I could and couldn't sit still, what it was like to try to do it and mm-hmm. eventually realized that was worth something. You know, okay. it wasn't really about being able to clear my mind as much as it was understanding what it was like for me. Interesting. So you were able to find some peace with regard to meditation periodically to help you manage the emotion and anxiety of, of just of, of being who you are and just trying to be like everybody else. Is that am I oversimplify that? No, I think I think that's right. I it was I realized I had my own path and I was going to need to be the one to to help myself through it. Excellent. Tell you what, let's go to a break right now because we're going to come back and uh, talk about a recent experience. Um, Everybody, our secret word tonight is LIVED. Again, that's L-I-V-E-D. And um, you've got to check out Susan's website at ADHDimpactcoaching.com. Again, that's ADHDimpactcoaching.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Susan having a conversation about her lived experience uh, or transitioning to that. Uh, just a quick review. <clears throat> a lot of people um, 
they grow up and they, they're struggling and there's this internal fight uh, of just trying to just be like everybody else. I'm hearing Susan had gone through that stuff. It was creating a lot of emotion, some anxiety, uh, went out to self-help books, went to therapy to try to get some help, uh, found a little bit of help um, with mindfulness uh, to kind of cope, kind of moving along. Uh, but I want to highlight that, that this is not, this is a very similar journey to a lot of other people, particularly when they're going out and they're learning in the self-help world. Um, and going to therapy to try to see if they can kind of cope with it. So with that, Susan, <clears throat> things that recently we were having a conversation about an experience that you went on on a trip. Um, tell us about that a little bit and, 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 and your ADHD experience with that, and we'll just kind of talk about how you started to pause and manage yourself a little bit differently. Okay. Yes, yeah, so Jeff, I was telling you, I recently got back from a trip overseas to Italy, and, mm-hmm. of course, it's been a couple of years since I've gone anywhere. So um, so it was a beautiful trip. We went to the Tuscany area and over to the west coast, what's called the Sincatere uh, villages, and um, went to Milan and Florence. And so it was a, a wonderful time. And everyone asked, how was it? How was it? You know, it was amazing, right? The weather, the scenery was perfect, you know. We had friends with us who'd done all the planning and the driving. So, like, it was the best circumstances possible for me and for traveling like that. You know, but because because I, it was the first trip I'd taken in a long time, I had a lot of awareness around how I was experiencing this travel. And a lot of it I kind of knew in advance. Like, I knew a long airline, airplane trip was going to be hard for me. So became really clear that sitting in a seat for nine hours for me is essentially torture. <laughs> so I prepared, you know, I got M&Ms, lots of gum, a book, a podcast, um, some music downloaded, uh, watched movies, took little naps when I could, sleeping is hard for me on a plane. So like kind of realizing somebody looking at me doing that might go, oh my gosh, really all of that uh you need and and so i thought no i need to actively manage uh these sensations um while i'm on this stuck in this seat um how am i going to help myself get through it and the whole trip was like that essentially you know realizing that the 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 things being different, um, navigating airport, then navigating um, the weather. Is it going to rain? Do I need sunscreen? Do I need an umbrella? Um, maybe both. Um, the crowded streets and sidewalks. Sometimes when there were a lot of people, I really um, had to kind of work with myself. Getting lost sometimes. Um, the terrain was sometimes very challenging, lots of steps and hills. And, you know, you, you're hungry, you think maybe some coffee would be good, you were thinking, when am I going to get to go to the bathroom next? And I thought, you know, I had this internal thing going like, am I being a whiner? And became very aware of, when do I speak up? When do I say, you know, I'm going to be needing to find a bathroom stop pretty soon, something like that. And thank goodness I was with friends who understood, and and I tried to be moderate. But 
I was just aware of how actively I was managing my physical sensations. These were not necessarily emotions. They were physical, internal reporting that I was taking in and I needed to do something with. And, and I want to highlight this. This is very subtle, everybody. Um, I think I need, what we need to bring out is when you were telling me the story, Susan, the first time, you, it's a value of yours really not to be a whiner. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the past, um, you're thinking everybody else is managing it. You would just be just sitting on those, sucking it in, just trying harder and not advocating, speaking up for yourself because you didn't want to whine. You're saying whine, or I could say advocate for yourself. Am I misrepresenting that? <laughs> well, I think you're giving me more of the benefit of the doubt than I deserve. I would say that in the past I'm kind of known for being perhaps not the best traveler in the world. But, yeah, that comes from lots of years of, you know, as a child and after being a child. If you speak too much about your discomfort, right, you get called a whiner or a complainer. You're not a good sport. And I'm, so, I'm yeah, I had I had a lot of shame. I have had a lot of shame and you know awareness of that, which puts this extra layer to what I have to manage. But I think that what I what I really want to emphasize in the show is that extra layer. That hey, yeah. I felt shame in the past because of of those types of things. The emotional toll and the anxiety associated with that. I think is is like the elephant in the room sometimes when people uh, are there because mm-hmm. you've you've got this thing in the back that you're doing this and you you, you want to advocate for yourself but you 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 don't want to be a whiner you don't really want to speak up so right. there's this internal conflict to me and my sense of it is is you're crawling out of your skin you want to like scream but you can't and it's almost like sometimes you I can see how people just explode on the spot as a result of that so I, not to, not to be too dramatic yeah. but to actually emphasize that. You know, this is the demarcation. We're getting ready to kind of make that turn a little bit. So, again, a, a lot of drama here, but I do want to elicit that this is a big deal. Is that right? I think it is a big deal. And I thought a lot about the recent people acting out um, very badly on airplanes and wondered if it was something related to this. And, um, you know, you use the word explode. I was doing a little... Well, actually, I got a, a newsletter into my email I subscribed to from a woman named Colleen Beck who has a website called OT Toolbox. And she's primarily dealing with teachers, people dealing with children, but she talks a lot about sens- sensory um, management. And she had, I found a definition of uh, the difference between a tantrum and a sensory meltdown that was really very interesting. And I think a lot of you know, the tantrum being related to getting an objective. I want that candy in the grocery store. Um, a sensory meltdown looks different and the aftermath is different. You need, you know, it can have, it can be in response to, um, it, 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 the, the person is not even aware of what exactly is setting them off sometimes, much less mm-hmm. people around them or the parents. Mm-hmm. And so um, it doesn't really – it's not a relation in relation to the audience. It's not a, it's not a show. It's not in order to get anything. But um, the person will need some time to calm down and let the feelings look out of their body and will feel very tired and may feel – one of her things was there may be some embarrassment or shame as a result because it's so inexplicable, I think. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I tell you what, let's <clears throat> let's go to break again because this is a good natural spot um, for our for our listeners. Remember, our secret word tonight is lived. And I really encourage you to check out um, Susan's website. She is an ADHD coach. Uh, her website is ADHDimpactcoaching.com. Um, I surmise maybe some of you out there in her experience uh, about being on plane and some of these other uh, sensations are speaking to you. She might be somebody really um, uh, helpful for you to look up. So, again, her website is ADHDimpactcoaching.com. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The TimeTimer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, TimeTimer's bright red disc disappears. Visit TimeTimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Susan and uh, uh, we're at the epicenter, the precipice of what this really shows about. The, the first uh, segment of the show, we were really talking about uh, Susan's anxiety, knowing that there's maybe something a little bit different, but really trying to manage it like everybody else, kind of suck it up in the emotion and the anxiety, and maybe she she whined back then, and she felt a little bit of shame, and it kind of built up, so she went out to seek help. She learned a lot about self-help and went to therapy, so she began to get a knowledge, maybe not specifically on ADHD, but trying to understand herself a little bit. She did find a little bit of help with, with mindfulness to be able to manage it. Fast forward, um, in the last segment, we're talking about traveling and becoming, having the self-awareness that I've got to do all these things to take with me to, and manage myself. And, you know, for me to sit on a plane for nine hours, like the thought of it, I'm crawling out of my skin um, uh, for the same reasons, but also I, I have a long torso and, and airplane seats are very uncomfortable. So I'm physically mm-hmm. uncomfortable from the, just the seat in general. And that notion of I don't want to really be a whiner, I don't want to, to shame myself, et cetera, and it's kind of about really exploding. And this is the, the demarcation is, Susan, when we were talking, I started to hear you like, oh, my God, there's food issues or hike issues, and you're with a group of people, and you, you don't want to whine, but you began to stop and ponder what was going on and make decisions a little bit differently, not from shame, but one from advocating from yourself. Yes. Can you tell us about some of that? That's a really good point because that is one of my biggest takeaways was, you know, there's a lot that I can do that we can do to help ourselves. And one of them is to realize that any situation that's unusual may provoke, you know, will require, obviously you're, by definition, you're going to be getting different information in through your, 
your senses. And you may not be, you may be in less control of your environment than you normally are in your daily life. So um, being able to kind of anticipate your needs and um, think about what would help you be more comfortable, um, maybe com- communicate to others in advance that you'll, you know, be what you'll be trying to do or what you might need or requests that you might want to make. Really understanding that that amygdala is receiving this information and it, if it's different, it's sensing it. That it's just, this is subconscious. Mm-hmm. This isn't really always awareness. So bringing it up as much as you can into your awareness, I'm feeling antsy, I'm feeling uncomfortable. You know, maybe there is some insight around what's causing this. What would be helpful to me? And you're right, then making decisions, should I speak up? That is an option. And it gives me some control. It gives me something that I can do. Can I go to the bathroom just to get up and walk, for example, might be a decision if I'm feeling stuck in my seat. Um, You know, what, what do I need? Do I really need it? You know, is it, am I just a little uncomfortable or is this getting to the point where it's time to speak up or it's time to do mm-hmm. something? And that is the kind of active management that I just want to say. That takes a lot of bandwidth. It does take a lot of effort. But, but one of the things that's in here, and again, everybody, this intangible switch from one side to the other is I'm hearing, yeah, you're in less control, but you're now starting to anticipate it. And I think sometimes there becomes a little bit of setting expectations maybe with people. I'm just using this example like, hey, we're going to go on. Maybe there's this thing. Uh, you guys go ahead. Maybe it was a hike or something like that or, or food. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I need these types of things. So when you're in the moment and you're crawling out of your skin and you start to get upset and you have an emotional reaction, it can come out as whining and stuff like that. But when you, when you begin to know in advance and you can begin to anticipate it and you can begin to warn people or saying, Hey, you know, I might not want to participate in these types of things. You've really gone from sucking it up in the shame side to owning it and advocating for yourself in a, in a kind of a different way, um, you're not whining about it, but you're setting expectations. Am I misrepresenting that? Yeah, I think that's accurate. And I think I share from the standpoint of, um, hmm, that sounds like a fun thing to do. I can see reasons I would want to do that. Um, What I'm thinking about is, will I get seasick on the boat? Mm -hmm. You know, um, how long will we be out there? Because I'm very, I get sunburned easily. You know, um, um, it's a very, you know, how big is the boat? Maybe it yep. might be something I'm thinking about. So there might be things I really want to know, and I, I might really need a minute to think or ask questions around these other concerns that I have. And once I do that, I might decide that, yes, I can, I can do this. But I, you know, that, that impetus or, you know, the impulsivity of being like your friends and wanting to do what they're doing and saying, sure. Of course I'll do that. And then if that can make the misery part a lot worse. It can make you, it can really load a lot onto that uh, shame and um, even the discomfort itself, I think. So I want to I 
forgive me, I'm going to just take this and magnify it. So seasickness, that's a sensitivity that some people have that there's varying degrees. And I think we had talked, Susan, that when you get in a car, sometimes you still have difficulty with with Mm -hmm. motion. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. I, I am less sensitive than she is. But going back to years ago, maybe she's far more sensitive on something like that, thinking that everybody else is kind of sucking in and going out in a boat would be upset. But actually making that transition now and owning it and stopping and thinking about that, this is that invisible thing where she's she's stopping and she's thinking and she's owning it and maybe even saying that sounds like a lot of fun. I think I can go or maybe I can't or how big is the boat because we're no longer – hiding ourselves and trying to suck it up and be like anybody else. We're really having that self-awareness and managing. And, and, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but when I've discussed this with other people, when you make that transition over to this is what I am and I'm thinking about it, what I've heard the experience is a lot of anxiety disappears at that point in time because you're no longer fighting it trying to be somebody you're not. Am I misrepresenting right. that or is, is that accurate? No. Just, no, I think um, you're bringing, you're dealing with it head on, which is to me always the best thing for anxiety. Let's just bring it up, let's bring it out into the air. What mm-hmm. are you worried about? How can you know? Let's look at that. And so to me, that you're right. That's what's happening. That's the mechanism. So I want to translate this a little bit. I've coached a lot of people over the years, and one thing that is, it's, this isn't for everybody, but there's many people with ADHD because of an impaired working memory. They need to think out loud. People misunderstand. It looks like they're talking to other people. They're actually thinking out loud. And I've coached many and mirrored it back and run some experiments where if they've got a problem, really they'll go talk to somebody for five or ten minutes. The other person won't say a thing, but they'll solve their own problem. And so as I help them do that and begin to see that and like, oh, my God, the data is there, I still have a lot of people that when they've got a problem, they stay at their desk. They don't get up and go find somebody to talk out loud to. And it's, it's when the person, they know a lot, they educate them, they, they see it, but they're not owning it and saying, hey, I've got to get up and go talk to somebody. It's when they make that transition and go, oh, my God, this works for me. I'm going to get up and go do that. Mm-hmm. That's the difference to me of knowing a lot about ADHD and owning it. And I'm relating it back to Susan's experience is – the shame, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck it down, I'm going to deal with it to now, and, and, and letting go of the shame and like, hey, no, this is serious. I'm going to stop and think about it and I'm advocate what I need in a more proactive way. And as a result, having you know, that anxiety, you know, I'm not going to say it's all gone, but it dissipates substantially. That's the feeling. And when I was talking to you, Susan, when you first described that, I, I heard this peace that kind of came in your voice. That's what I was. That's what I was hearing. Is is that representation of of your experience, or am I putting words in your mouth there? I love that. Um, I mean, I'm glad that you heard that. Um, one of my big takeaways was just having compassion for yourself is what allows the owning to happen and mm. the actively getting into problem-solving mode. Let's get real about this then. What do you need? What should you do? You know, and that's way beyond that setting all the emotions kind of aside, and that's what the self-compassion allows. And, and this is really difficult for me to articulate, but I would imagine, Susan, in your passion, you've heard talked about self-compassion. 
But my sense is now it's a little different than what it was before. Yeah, it's changed a lot. I don't know that I knew what it meant, um, maybe even a year ago. And um, I think, you know, I've been talking with you for a while, and that's um, brought out a couple of instances where um, it really was the more real I am about how I am, the more compassion I have for myself, Mm -hmm. then I can have compassion for others. Then I can really be with others. So it's it's proven to be very um, powerful and stabilizing, I guess, for me. And and I want to emphasize this. The title of our show is Owning ADHD, A Lived Experience. And and I think the real key here is you can read a lot about self-compassion, and they're just words on a page. But when you live it and you own it, there's this transition where you step over. And a lot of people with ADHD, they're going through the motions, but they're not stopping and really being present in the moment. And so as you described the airplane, like I'm in the plane, I'm doing this kind of stuff, and I'm looking at myself, and you're so in the moment, present of what's going on, you're so aware of it. And again, this is another intangible, but, but if you're, if some people with ADHD, we call them human doings. They're doing, 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 but they're not being. And in that moment where you're being present with yourself and these types of things and you begin to own it, that's what I really wanted to pull out in this show is it's you run 100 miles an hour reading the papers, but when you stop and you think and you be present with yourself and you own this stuff, that's when you kind of cross over the other side. Yeah. It's, it, it's, and it's almost a like being loving, loving with um, a child, for example. If you were with the young child and you were trying to help them in an experience like that and you wanted to do it in a loving, compassionate, helpful way, um, how, what would you do? How would you approach it? And having that same attitude towards yourself. Absolutely. One of the things I want to underscore in this is Susan couldn't have made that transition if she was resisting it. She was actually open to it. And so part of the precursor is some out there, you, you say the words, you do the talk, but you're actually not open to it. It's in the moment you become open to it, you become present, you make this transition. And the, 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 the thing I really want to emphasize, there's a lot of people, if you read a lot of books, a lot of books, gone to conferences, got, listened to webinars, podcasts, et cetera, and you're still struggling, stop, slow down, become present, and begin to accept and own yourself and advocate for yourself in a, in a, in a respectful way because when you do – it's that anxiety, a substantial amount goes. It doesn't, it doesn't dissipate completely, but there's this peace on the other side. And be kind to yourself, and you can have a lived experience just like Susan. As we begin to wrap this up, any final insights or thoughts, Susan? No, I just I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity and for actually for being the one to really appreciate what I, you know, you're, you're my witness. And I really appreciate that you recognize that this is important. You know, I recognize it and I'm like, wow. And so for you to also to understand it uh, as what it is and seeing that it's important and can help other people is really, really um, heartening and inspiring even. And to take away some of this discomfort, this fear and the anxiety around it, you know, a lot of discomfort will go away if you take away the the shame, if you take away the worry and you know, even worrying about I might be uncomfortable to say, yep, you might. 
You might. You what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's either you're leading into it, then run around that anxiety. And so, everybody, I, I think you can actually, in, in the words that she just said, you could hear the peace in her voice. And, and I want to thank you so much, Susan, for coming on because this is intangible. It's really difficult. We can say the word own and we can talk about knowledge, but when we describe your experience before and after and what's kind of going on, it makes it a little bit more tangible, a little bit more real, so people have a better understanding of what they're going. So, with that, I I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Doug. Everybody, if you've been inspired by this, reach out, ADHDimpactcoaching.com. Check out Susan. Remember, our secret word tonight is live. And with that, enjoy us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.